What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Sean Jones NBA Show. I'm recording this on Monday, February 13th, uh, a little later in the evening, but a lot has happened since we last spoke. The trade deadline came and went last week, and there certainly were some very big names moved. Uh, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, we saw the Lakers finally trade one of their first-round picks. And a lot of the contenders made some small moves uh, around the edges of their roster and their rotation. But we're going to get into uh, pretty much every single one of the deals. And I'm going to give my take on how that will affect the NBA landscape uh, for contenders moving forward. So starting off, we have to start with the big um, news that came in the night before the trade deadline. It was about 1 a.m. East Coast. Um, most people were probably asleep when the, the bomb dropped. But after an entire summer talking about Kevin Durant getting traded, he finally was traded. And it was to none other than the Phoenix Suns. I was very adamant in the offseason when the rumors were swirling around that it would pretty much be the Suns or nobody. Um, I follow a lot of very uh, reliable Suns insiders, um, and I followed them closely along the way, and they were admin as well. So um, it finally happened. Kevin Durant is a Phoenix Sun, but just to give a recap of the trade, Uh, The Suns acquired Kevin Durant along with T.J. Warren. And in return, the Nets received Mikkel Bridges, Cameron Johnson, Jay Crowder, unprotected first-round picks in 2023, 2025, 2027, 2029, and then a pick swap in 2028. Just to give a recap of sort of how this happened based on what ESPN has reported, there's a really good article that came out, um, I believe it was written by Ramona Shelburne um, the other day. But basically, Kevin Durant, um, once Kyrie Irving was traded and he kind of saw the package they got back and they weren't able to get necessarily a star back in return, he wanted out again. And he wanted out only to the Suns, and he made that um, very apparent to the Nets. But this time he didn't want to make it a public request, and I think the big reason why is because he didn't want other teams to get involved. He didn't want a bidding war between teams. So the Nets front office finally obliged. Um, It sounded like they had some sort of handshake agreement in the offseason when they all met to sort of uh, reconcile after the initial trade request. It sounds like part of that conversation was basically them saying, hey, if shit hits the fan this season, then we will finally trade you. Um, And that's what happened, I mean, with the whole uh, Kyrie Irving debacle um, and everything that's gone on with him this season. Um, And it also was reported that if they couldn't make a deal with the Suns, then they would have just wrote out the season, Durant would have stayed in Brooklyn, and then they would have opened it up um, to more teams in the offseason. But it sounds like they knew it was inevitable. He was going to get traded at the absolute latest in the offseason this year. But um, if they could make it work with the Suns, they were going to do it ASAP. And that's kind of what gave the Nets some leverage here on the Suns because they basically said, hey, well, we will uh, negotiate with only you right now. Um, but if you can't give us what we want, then we're going to be have no other choice but to open it up to other teams uh, in the offseason. So... The Suns really had right now to strike, and that's exactly what they did. Um, It sounded like they were very reluctant to give up Mikhail Bridges. I don't think he was in any of the initial uh, offers that they gave this offseason. And from a Suns perspective, it's definitely sad to see Mikhail and Cam go as a Suns fan myself, but um, you got to make this trade 100 out of 100 times. There's just no way that you can't make this trade given where they currently sit um, in the uh, landscape of contenders. Um, I found it pretty uh, interesting, though, uh, just the discourse around this whole deal. Um, I have vivid memories of over the summer people saying, oh, well, the Suns don't even have enough. They're not the best package. Why would any? Why would they uh, 
tr- trade him there just because he wants to go there. Um, and now a lot of the discourse is, wow, the Suns gave up quite a lot. Um, that's a lot of stuff to give up uh, for an injured player and lose all your depth and blah, blah, blah. And I've heard the depth thing a million times, that they have no depth now, um, which is just mind-boggling to me because uh, the Suns' intended starters this season of Chris Paul, Booker, uh, Bridges, Cam Johnson, and Aiton have actually only played seven games together all season long. Um, so they've essentially been operating with a at least one bench player starting the whole season, mostly Torrey Craig. He started 45 games this year, um, and he was not going to start any coming into the year. Um, and he would have uh, continued, and he'll probably continue to start now as well. Um, but when you look at it through that lens, their bench is actually exactly the same as it has been. Um, given that Craig has been starting and will continue to start, he's been a starter for this team all year. They didn't trade a single bench player. I mean, they traded Crowder, who hasn't played a game all year. Johnson, who has started whenever he's played. And Bridges, who started whenever he's played. So uh, their starting lineup is replacing uh, Bridges with Durant. And Craig is just going to continue to start like he has all year. Um, So they actually didn't trade a single player from their bench. Um, And they actually added T.J. Warren, who has looked pretty good since coming back from injury. And pre-injury was... um, playing out of his mind last time we saw him with Indiana. So he's a very good player. He's averaged close to 20 points per game uh, in the past. And they actually also picked up Terrence Ross uh, in the buyout market recently as well, who's had some up and down years for the Magic over the past uh, few seasons, but uh, has got a reputation as a good three-point shooter, not necessarily the best defender, but a guy that can go get you a bucket off the bench. Um, So really, (laughs) you could argue they are deeper so the only argument to that you don't like their depth or their depth isn't good is that you didn't like their depth before the trade either, um, which would be fair, except if you look into it, uh, the Suns actually currently have the number one bench uh, net rating in the entire NBA this season at plus 2.5. That is tops in the league. So um, if you really think the Suns bench isn't good or um, their depth is taking this huge hit, you either just haven't watched the games or you're ignoring numbers or um, you haven't paid attention to uh, their injuries all year to see that uh, Torrey Craig has been starting the whole season already. Um, and again, they're basically only trading two players for two players uh, because Crowder hasn't played a minute all year. And the gap between Durant and um, Bridges is way bigger than the, the gap between Cam Johnson and TJ Warren. So I again, don't really understand that whole narrative. I think that um, people love to throw that narrative out there when these big trades are made. I'm sh- I think people said the same thing when they the Lakers traded uh, for Anthony Davis. Oh, it's a big haul. They're not going to be death, blah, blah, blah. But normally when you got stars, you'll figure it out. And t- uh, we've seen it already with Terrence Ross signing here that players will want to come here because um, they are a legitimate contender now, as legitimate as anybody. Um, I also just want to address the whole championship or bust for this season. This it, it this season, it absolutely is not. So Durant has three years left on his deal uh, still. Booker has five years left. And this is after the season. So three after this year, five after this year. Aiden has three after this year. Chris Paul has two after this year, neither of which are guaranteed. Uh, but the Suns have that option. So if they want to keep him, they can. If they want to um, cut him and move on, they also can do that. And... Next year, the only player other than those four uh, with a, with any guaranteed money is Landry Shamit. <laughs> so um, they could totally tear the roster down and rebuild their bench if they want, or they can bring all these guys back. Um, but the most important thing is that their top four guys, they have all locked up at their discretion, um, given the pauses, their choice, for the next two years minimum, and then Aiton, Booker, Durant, or for the next three years minimum. minimum. Um so they've got a – if you include this year, that that is a four-year window they have here. So this whole championship or bust, bust like they better win this season because of everything they gave up, it's just – it's not true. I mean they could ba- get bounced second round this year and win it all next year, and <laughs> it's absolutely still worth it. Or win it in two years, you know. And, of course, the timeline on Paul um, certainly isn't forever. Um, but, again, you've got flexibility to move on from him and, like – they're going to have caps. If they cut Paul and Shamit 
um, is the only other guy on the team besides Aiden Booker and Durant. They're going to have cap space to sign guys. So, um, and I, I don't know who wouldn't want to come play with these these guys, given how uh, just what big of a star uh, Durant is specifically. And then clearly, guys enjoy playing with Booker as well. Um, not to mention that they could trade Aiden at some point if it's not a good fit or whatever. Blah blah blah. But in terms of what this means for this season. Um, offensively, I think they are going to be nearly impossible to guard. I mean, it really is a perfect example of pick your poison between um, Durant, Booker, Chris Paul, and Aiton. All four of them are some of the best of their position at taking advantage of mismatches. Um, I don't think Durant's really played with anybody like Aiton before in terms of someone who can actually... Uh, score in the post. I mean, Ibaka is probably the best big man he's played with in the, uh, during his peak back in OKC. But um, again, he was more of a jump shooter. Aiden's a lot better inside uh, and just a bigger player. Um, and then Booker is obviously Durant has played with uh, some elite talents, um, specifically Kyrie and Steph um, and Russ back in the day. But um, I think Booker's a, not that he's similar necessarily to Steph, but he's closer to Steph than a Kyrie or a Russ, only in the fact that he's not a big ball-dominant player. He doesn't score. He doesn't dribble for 10 seconds before going and getting his shot. Of course, he can do that, but that's not really his game. Um, he, he plays a lot of off-ball since Chris Paul's gotten there, and he's been better off-ball most of the time, but he's also capable with the ball. But Kyrie and Russ are more isotype players, and we saw how seamlessly uh, Durant and Curry fit together. So I think that the uh, Booker fit is going to be very similar. Additionally, um, Katie's never really had a point guard like Chris Paul just pass first like that. And I think it's going to be a perfect role for Chris Paul because he really is not going to have to score. I mean, he he could have nights where he scores four points, gets 13 assists, and the Suns win by 25 easily because he's just distributing to everybody, getting hitting open shooters, letting the other stars uh, eat inside or uh, on the wing as well. So um, those four on paper, it just feels like a perfect fit on offense. Um, their defense certainly could suffer a bit. But people forget that Durant is still really, really good on defense, and he was having an extremely good uh, defensive season as well. Obviously, the loss of Bridges is going to hurt a lot there. Um, but again, Durant is just really good on that, and it's, it's not like we're, it's not like you're getting somebody back who just is a, a even a neutral on that. And Durant's certainly a plus there. Um, and the Suns have been a top ten defense all year long. This year, they've been a top ten defense consistently in, in this three year run they've had since getting Chris Paul. So they have a good defensive system in place. Um, and it's not like they're majorly lacking personnel-wise. Um, they haven't had Crowder all year, like I said. And Johnson has been out most of the year, and they've still been a top-10 defense. So it's really just swapping Durant with Mikhail, which obviously is a downgrade defensively. But it's not like Durant is any sort of liability to the point where I think it'll tank their defense. I still think they can easily hover around that top-10 area. And that's really all they're going to need, in my opinion, just given how good their offense could potentially be. With all that being said, if, if I had to uh, look forward, I do not think that they'll win it all this year. Um, I just think that it's really, really rare for a team to add uh, an all-star midseason and it to pan out that quickly. Um, the only modern example really is Rasheed Wallace in 2004. Um, but Rasheed Wallace wasn't like the best player on the Pistons probably. Um, I would say Billups was probably the go-to guy there. Um, and from a scoring perspective, Rip Hamilton certainly was um, above the pecking order from Wallace as well. Whereas Durant's going to be the top guy here, um, and that's that's pretty obvious. So I just think that 20, 25 games is it's not going to be enough for the entire team to gel uh, in order to get to a championship uh, level, which is what they're going to really have to do if they want to win it this year. Um and just, I think next year will be their year. Um, they'll have a whole offseason, a tra uh, training camp. There'll be no more, like, lingering emotions from the trade. I know that um, there were reports that uh, guys in the Suns locker room were pretty upset just because Mikhail and Cam have been there for, for quite a while now and been big contributors, good uh, locker room guys. Um, I also think they have a, they'll have a better opportunity to build the, the roster around the top guys uh, through free agency or potentially other trades. So, um 
I, I don't think that they will win it all this year. I Would I be shocked if they did? No. I think that they're as talented as anybody. I think they've got a great head coach. I think that um, they're going to be just a really, really tough out and just nearly impossible to guard. Um, and they've got a lot of guys that are just built for the postseason. I mean, Durant and Booker, we've seen both have um, extremely uh, impressive playoff runs in the past. Both are a, let me just toss the ball to you and go get a bucket when no one else can get a bucket, which uh, are the type of players that typically thrive in the playoffs. We've seen Chris Paul get injured, but he's played pretty well for the Suns in the playoffs uh, when he has been healthy. And then Aiton um, is one of the rare big men that isn't necessarily an all-star, but still can't get played off the floor uh, defensively, and he also can take advantage of mismatches on offense. So um, I I just – how I don't know how you could – not love this team on paper. Really excited to see Durant um, play. I think uh, it's been reported that he could return as soon as the first game after the All-Star game. I know the Suns only have two more games before the All-Star game, so um, we'll have, just have to wait and see. But uh, I'm really excited to, to watch this team, and I think they're going to be very good uh, for the next few years. But looking at this from the net side of things, I really don't think this is that bad of a package given the circumstances. Obviously, you'd like to get um, more of a proven star. Uh, but even if, I mean, we would look back at the Anthony Davis trade. Like, yeah, Brandon Ingram's an all-star now, but he certainly wasn't an all-star on <laughs> the Lakers. I mean, he was like 16 to 18 a game, good defender. But Mikkel Bridges right now is a 17-point-per-game guy with even better defense, so... Um, I know he's a little older than Ingram was at the time, but the point being, um, I think people are underrating how good Mikel Bridges is and how good he's been this year specifically. This guy literally does not miss games. He's never missed a game in his career. He got the longest active streak um, in the NBA, and he did have to sit out some games, obviously, with the trade happening. But because of the way the scheduling works out, they said he actually may be able to play 83 games this year, which would be pretty cool. Um, <laughs> a consolation for potentially having that streak broken. But obviously he's an all-defensive caliber player. He was second defensive player of the year uh, voting last year. He's also a really good shooter, very efficient from the floor. He f- uh, flirts with 50-40-90 basically every year. Um, he is elite in transition, um, nearly impossible to guard, just uh, um, long strides, long arms, able to get into the paint very easily in those situations. He's also a very, very good cutter off the ball. And he's massively improved as a playmaker and a shot creator and a shooter off the bounce and all of that this season. Um, when Booker's been out this year, um, they've basically been running their normal plays, but uh, Mikhail has been in the Booker role of the plays. So coming off screens, um, dribble uh, penetration into the the paint, um, getting elbow jump shots for him. Both of them are very good at those. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, he, he's been really impressive. He started off a little slow once Booker was out, but there was a, a definitely an adjustment period. But he has looked phenomenal um, in January and February. He's um, in, in just all of January and the little bit of February we've had so far, he's averaging over 20 points a game. Um, close to five assists a game, um, four rebounds, and then basically two stocks. Um, and his efficiency definitely has gone down a little bit. So 20, or 46% from the field, 38% from three, 91% from the free throw line. But certainly not bad shooting splits. Um, a little below his career average from the field. He's typically been over 50%. But um, I think that's to be expected uh, to, with the shots going up a little bit. But I genuinely, I don't see any reason why he can't be a Chris Middleton type player and with probably better defense. I mean, Middleton is, um, he's not a 25 point per game guy, but he's in the low 20s. He took a little longer to develop um, as well. It's not that Mikhail's taken long to develop, but he was a little older player when he came into the into the league, having gone to college for a few years, I think. Um, but Middleton's been a consistent all-star, can go get his own shot. I think they've got pretty similar playing styles and... Um, Middleton has proven that he can be a number two uh, option on on a championship team. I'm not, I don't know if Mikhail will ever get there, but I think he could be a third option. Um, and he's he's just been really really impressive this season. If you haven't watched him, um, and then just moving to Cam Johnson, he is 
legitimately as good of a shooter as probably anybody in the NBA. This dude is absolutely knocked down consistently above 40%. I know he was well above 40 last year, well above 40 this year. He's also, he's not the defender Mikael Bridges is, but he is not a bad defender by any means. He's very versatile. Um, he's a really good team defender. It's one of those where I think the, the Suns uh, started the year top five to seven in defense. Um, and then they had a really bad stretch uh, where they fell all the way to like 13th in defense or something. And then Cam Johnson came back from injury and they immediately vaulted back into that top 10. Um, so he, he just like, being on the floor, he knows the right spots to be in. I know stuff like that is like really hard to quant- uh, uh, quantify or qualify, but if you just watch, he's he just feels like he's in the right place all the time, um, and he does all the little things really well. Um, and like I said, they were just instantly better when he came back. I know they really struggled with that Booker for a while, but he was one of the huge uh, factors in sort of riding the ship. Uh, I know they had. Uh, on a nice little streak there, even before Booker came back. So, but moving forward for the Nets, um, it's funny they're kind of back to that frisky, fun team that they had before the Durant and Kyrie signings. Um, I think they, I mean, they should be insanely good on defense. Their starting lineup of, um, I mean, Dinwiddie's fine, but between Bridges, Johnson, Dorian Finney-Smith, and Nick Claxton, um, those are four really good defenders and three potentially elite defenders. So they're going to be really tough to score on. They've got a million 3-and-D-type wings. Um, and I think that they could end up being a little better than we think. I don't think they have the star power to do anything in a playoff setting. But I just think because of how good they are in defense that they're not going to suck. Um, like, you look at a lot of teams like the Bulls, the Hawks, the Blazers. These teams are like, they got a lot. They got star power, but they just don't play enough defense to be good. Defense is so just underrated in terms of, building a good team in the NBA. Um, but just if you want to <laughs> not be bad, that's the first place to start. Um, and they're going to just play their ass off every night on that end. It's, it's pretty obvious. So um, I think they'll still end up making the playoffs this year, but that's just mostly a byproduct of where they are in the standings. There's not that much uh, season left, and they're pretty comfortably in the in the five, six slots right now. They also have no incentive to lose because they don't have any of their picks the Rockets do. So um, I think moving forward, again, I don't think they should necessarily tear it down. I think they could consolidate some of their wings. They've just got a lot of guys that would be attractive to other teams. Um, but ultimately, the goal, once again, is just going to be for them to try and find another star, uh, whether that be someone on the current roster turning – into one or them um, going out and getting one uh, from another source. So moving to the other trade, the other big trade that the Nets made, um, trading Kyrie Irving uh, and Markeith Morris to the Dallas Mavericks for Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, a 2029 first-round pick, and two second-round picks. Um, I know this was sort of the first domino, but I felt like I wanted, I needed to start with the Durant piece just because of how much gravity that trade has across the league um, in terms of shifting the contender landscape. But um, I think this was a pretty risky move for the Mavs um, just because, I mean, Kyrie literally could leave in the offseason. Um, and based on his comments, I would have put it past him. There have been people saying that he probably will. He wanted to be on the Lakers or the Suns. Um, and he's been just basically saying, like, I don't want to talk about that right now. It's not on my mind, blah, 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 all this stuff. And I will say, if he does leave, and, I mean, if they make the finals or something, it won't be a disaster. But if, if they if they flame out second round or even lose first round, this is going to be, and he leaves, it'll be a total disaster. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's the first domino in Luka eventually leaving Dallas. Um, I think the clock's ticking. And this is one of those things where it's it's a little it's a little unfair because the clock's ticking no matter what move they do here. If you have the opportunity to get Kyrie Irving and you choose not to, it's kind of a bad look for Luca. You're like, well, we had a chance to get this all NBA level talent and we decided not to. I'm sure he'd be bummed out about that, but at the same time, he's the flakiest all star we have in this league, and so. Because they got him, he's so unpredictable. He easily could leave in the offseason, and that's going to look bad too. I mean, at least they're showing that they went for it, but they're put in a much worse spot because they traded uh, one of their future first-round picks. Um, Dinwiddie and Finney Smith were arguably the 
three of their four other best players besides Luca outside of Christian Wood. So you lost talent, you lost future draft capital um, and flexibility to add other guys. And so, yeah, they could be put in a very tough spot. <laughs> but I get the move. I get it. They're desperate to um, get Luca a co-star. And to be honest, I probably would have done it too. I, I understand. In terms of what it does for them this season, I think it definitely makes them more of a threat um, just because they're going to be really, really tough to guard. Um, Luca has never had anyone even remotely as good as Kyrie, especially on the offensive end. Um, and it's just going to take a lot of pressure off him to have to um, be the such a high-usage guy. I mean, we saw the best version of the Mavs had, was when Jalen Brunson was there, and Kyrie certainly is better than Jalen Brunson and can do a lot of the same things in terms of taking pressure off of him offensively. Um, but with that being said, I still have major concerns about this team's defense. They're ranked 22nd in defense right now. I think they were top five or six last year. And they're probably going to be even worse now. I mean, Finney Smith was probably their best wing defender. Um, and now they don't have him. And it's not like Kyrie is a very good defender. I think it's going to be really hard to hide Kyrie and Luka both in, a, in the span of a playoff series. Not to mention that their next best offensive player is Christian Wood, and he's a major defensive liability. So playing the three of them out there, even if you've got their best defenders um, out there, I mean, probably Bullock and maybe Powell, but you probably don't want two bigs, maybe Maxi Kleba. But whoever you throw out there, they just are really lacking quality defenders, and it's just unfortunate that all of their best offensive players happen to be uh, kind of – poor on that end of the floor. So um, I think that they could probably knock off any West team in a series, um, but I do not think they're good enough defensively to sustain a, a run to the finals, probably not even the, the Western Conference finals. Um, and so that it doesn't change my outlook too much on them. This is kind of how I felt already, but I think they're just a bigger threat to knock off a top team in a in one series than they were before. Um, and like I said, if Kyrie leaves, then the Mavs could potentially be just really screwed moving forward without assets to improve, um, and a major talent <laughs> deficiency, uh, on the roster next to Luca. Um, I'm not going to talk too much on the Nets here. Obviously I kind of talked on, um, their, their outlook moving forward, but I thought the return they got was actually not too bad just based on. Kyrie's reputation in the league right now and uh, all the reports that he basically had no value at all. So next, um, probably the next biggest deal was the three-team trade between the Lakers, Wolves, and the Jazz. Um, I'm going to talk through this trade as well as the other moves the Lakers made just to look at their trade deadline in totality. Uh, but with the first trade, the Lakers received D'Angelo Russell, um, Malik Beasley, and Jared Vanderbilt. The Wolves get Mike Conley, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and three second-round picks. And then the Jazz receive uh, Russell Westbrook's expiring contract, Juan Toscano-Anderson, Damian Jones, and the 2027 Lakers first-round pick, which will be top four protected. Uh, additionally, the Lakers made a few other moves. They traded Pat Bev and a second-round pick to the Magic from Obamba, and then they traded Thomas Bryant to the Nuggets for Devon Reed and three second-round picks. Um, so overall, the Lakers added Russell, Beasley, Vanderbilt, Bamba, um, Devon Reed, and some second-round picks, um, and they send out uh, Russ, uh, Toscano Anderson, Damian Jones, Pat Bev, and Thomas Bryant. So overall, I mean, they I think they added the players they got back are better than the ones they gave out. I think the roster is improved. Um, and I, th I think it's pretty good value for what they gave up, to be honest. Um, starting with Russell, D'Angelo Russell, that is not, not Russ um, Westbrook, but um, he's had a really good few months um, over the past month and a half, two months with the Wolves, but I, as anyone who listens here has heard me talk about him, I, I'm not a big Russell fan or D'Lo fan, sorry. Um, I just think he's he's got a lot of Russ-like traits, Westbrook that is. Um, bad shot selection, low uh, IQ plays, um, 
but with that being said, I think he's a lot. He's a lot of a better fit than Westbrook was. Um, but he is a free agency in the offseason, and they'll either lose him for nothing, which is not a great scenario, or they'll have to pay him, which could be anywhere in the 25 to $30 million range, which also is not really ideal in my opinion. So um, clearly the Wolves didn't want to pay him, and I totally get that. Um, so like I said, it's a better fit. Um, it makes them better right now, but I, I'm not sold on D'Lo in the long term. Um, and I wouldn't really want to pay him, but you also don't really want to give up that pick to uh, just have a rental. So it puts them in probably a, a kind of tough situation. For the other players, uh, Beasley's fine, nothing special. He's not very efficient, but he can shoot, uh, which helps. They've uh, been lacking that for a while. More of a volume scorer off the bench, not much of a defender. And then Vanderbilt, um, I actually think he's a, that was a really good pickup. I think he's a good fit next to AD. It'll help them defensively especially with their versatility on that end. And he's still only 23, so still very young. Um, I will say, I, I think I probably would have preferred them to get Conley. I think he'd be a better fit for this team. He's a better decision maker, um, better shot, uh, cr- not creator, but better shooter over the span of his career um, than Russell. I know Russell's shooting a little better this year, but Conley's been close to 40% for a couple of years now. And Russell's been pretty sporadic. He's had some low 30 seasons as well. Um, but I also think he can play off ball a little bit better, um, than Russell can. So, um, in terms of Bamba versus Bryant, I mean, Bamba's definitely got better defensive abilities. Bryant's been more of an offensive player in his career. Um, but Bamba's got some of the tools to do what Bryant's done, um, on offense and he's younger. So overall, I do like that swap. Um, but I don't think that, that those, um, trades really have much barring on the, the season or will affect much. Um, in terms of the rest of the season, I think this makes them better, without a doubt. Um, they're improved. Even just a subtraction of Westbrook should be a plus for them, and I think all the other players they got are better fits next to LeBron and AD. But unfortunately, it, it, it might be too late. I mean, they're in the 13 seed now. They're two games out of the 10 seed and three in the loss column, so essentially three games out. They're three games out of the 8 seed. They're four games out of the six seed, so it's going to be really tough. they got a lot of teams to pass and some ground to make up. Uh, and on top of that, LeBron still is banged up. He hasn't played the last few games. Um, and just because they're so far back, I'm honestly just not convinced that they'll end up making the playoffs, even though I think they currently have a playoff-caliber roster. But they are just have been in such a hole since they started the year 2-10. and 10. Um, but overall, a good trade for them value-wise, and like I said, they definitely did improve uh, moving forward. So now from the Timberwolves side of things, um, I like the Conley fit here probably more than I like D'Lo. Um, I don't know if Conley's a better player. I just prefer the fit. I think D'Lo is a player that's hard to fit on a lot of good teams. <laughs> um, and they clearly didn't want to pay him. Uh, coming up on free agency this summer, and, and I get it. Um, I've, I'm not going to beat a dead horse here, but um, obviously not the biggest fan of him. But they probably want the ball in Edwards' hands more, and um, I get it. Why wouldn't you? He's probably their best player at this point, maybe Cat, but I think most people prefer Edwards at this point anyway. Um, and Conley's better off the ball than Russell is, um, and he's a better decision maker when he does have the ball. So Conley also is... Um, thrived uh, next to Gobert in the past. Uh, they were a really good pick-and-roll comb- combination uh, the past few seasons in Utah. Additionally, we've seen him play really well next to Donovan Mitchell. And I I honestly think Anthony Edwards is a pretty comparable player to Mitchell right now. I think Mitchell's better. I just mean playing style-wise. They're both undersized guards, um, undersized two guards that are super athletic, very good with the ball, can shoot, um, and, yeah, create their own shot. So um, I like the fit there. Like I said, I think Conley has proven he can play with guys like that. In terms of the rest of the season, I don't think this really moves the needle much um, in terms of my outlook for them, though. Um, I still think they probably will miss the playoffs only because I think the Pelicans at full strength are definitely better than them. I think the Lakers as currently constructed are better than them. Um, and then there's the other six teams that are, um, I think, clearly better than them. That is the Nuggets, Grizzlies, Kings, Suns, Clippers, Warriors, and Mavericks. Um, even though they're above the Warriors, I believe, right now. But I don't think most people think it'll stay that way. But 
And this really makes me wonder what happens when and if Cat uh, comes back. Um, they've honestly played better since he's been out. I just think that the him and Gobert as a fit is clunky and just doesn't work. And so I wonder if he's the next big guy moved potentially. I mean, it wouldn't shock me. I don't uh, – yeah, I don't know. I could see that happening this summer. So um, we'll have to revisit that. But in terms of this season, again, I think they're going to be a play-in team. Um, they certainly could make the playoffs. Don't get me wrong. It's like – I'd give like 50-50 chance, but they have no chance in the playoffs. Um, I think their best case would be like how they were last year, Frisky 7 seed that loses in 6 or something. In terms of the Jazz, I kind of feel like they could have gotten more than just one pick um, for those three players. Uh, maybe they just valued the Lakers pick a lot, though, which makes some sense because uh, we have no idea what the Lakers are going to look like down the road. But since the Gobert and Mitchell trades... Um, they really haven't gotten a ton back for the guys they've dealt. I mean, they've traded Bojan Bogdanovic, who is rumored to be going for uh, one, if not two first-round picks now, Mike Conley, Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley. They traded all these guys, and the only thing they got back was one singular first-round pick, Kelly Olynyk, and then some cap space um, by getting uh, Russ, Russ's expiring contract. So not the best management of assets, in my opinion, but again, they um, – hit those first two trades out of the the ballpark. And so they're in a fine position. They've got a million picks. They've got a lot of good players. They can either keep or move at some point, but um, yeah, either way they're, they're set up very well uh, moving forward. So there are uh, a handful of slightly smaller deals. Um, The first one I'm going to start with is Jay Crowder was rerouted from the nets to the bucks. Um, This was a three team trade in which the nets got two second round picks and the Pacers got George Hill, Serge Ibaka, uh, Jordan Wara and three second round picks. Pacers really just taking on those uh, contracts as sort of salary dumps and to get some additional picks. I believe the Bucks sent out five of those first round picks. So, um, I love this trade for the Bucks. I think that uh, Crowder is going to fill that PJ Tucker role that they had uh, from their championship season. He's going to bring toughness, defense. Um, a guy who can play a little bigger than he is, super strong. He can stretch the floor. Um, of course, it's still a little bit of a wild card how Crowder will play, given that he hasn't played a minute yet this season. But um, <laughs> if you've been keeping up on his hype videos he's been posting on Instagram, um, I'm sure he'd like to make everyone think that he's uh, as ready as he's ever been. But um, I think the Bucks needed another big wing with size and defense. Um, they can start him in place of Grayson Allen or they can bring him off the bench. But they had a lot of wings that they were playing that are a little undersized. Javon Carter, Grayson Allen, uh, Connaughton. So I think Crowder's really going to help um, bring more size. I know P.J. Tucker um, is a little smaller than Crowder, but he plays bigger. So uh, we saw some, another player thrive in that kind of role with this team. And honestly, if Middleton's healthy, I feel really good about where the Bucks are at in terms of their rotation. I thought they were maybe one piece away, and I think this trade got them that piece. So next, I'm going to move to uh, three teams. There was a three-team trade between the Clippers, Grizzlies, and Rockets. Um, I'm also going to address the other um, trades that the Clippers and the Nuggets made in this and then just kind of talk through overall these teams and um, – how I think they did based on where they were and where they are now. But the initial three-team trade is the Clippers receiving Eric Gordon and three second-round picks, the Grizzlies getting Luke Kennard, and the Rockets getting a protected pick swap, Danny Green, and a reunion with John Wall, I'm sure, much to his uh, despair. (laughs) Um, The Clippers also had a separate trade uh, with the Nuggets. Um, That would be... Bones Highland to the Clippers and the Nuggets getting just two second round picks back. Um, then the Clippers um, also made a deal with the Hornets where they trade Reggie Jackson and a second round pick to um, uh, Charlotte and they get Mason Pumley back. Um, additionally, the Nuggets then signed Reggie Jackson off the buyout market. And uh, I already mentioned this Thomas Bryant trade where the Nuggets get Thomas Bryant for Devon Reed and three second round picks. I know there's a mouthful, a lot of trades there. Uh, I'm going to go one by one on these teams um, and just talk about who they got, who they lost, and where they are moving forward. I'm not going to talk about the Rockets because no one cares about them at this point in the season. 
and they are probably going to buy out, or they already are buying out both players they acquired. <laughs> so, starting with the Clippers. Um, so, overall, they added Eric Gordon, Mason Plumley, and Bones Highland, and lost Reggie Jackson, John Wall, and Luke Kennard. And in my opinion, this is an improvement. Um, I like all three of the guys they got, and I really only like one of the three that they gave up, um, that being Luke Kennard. And uh, Wall and Jackson have just been awful for them this year. Very, very bad. Neither of them can shoot. Neither of them play any defense. Um, neither of them make good decisions with the ball. Jackson's never been much of a playmaker for others, and Wall used to be, but he's not doing enough of that to offset the other terrible parts of his game at this point. Um and Eric Gordon really does most of those things very well. Um, the stats haven't been phenomenal this year, but um, not totally surprising given that he's been on an awful Houston team. We've had we've seen some awkward uh, interviews with him. I'm sure he's just a bit disengaged at this point due to the lack of winning going on there. But he shot 41% from three just last season, and he's had multiple other seasons shooting well above 40% back when uh, Houston was more of a contender. We've also seen him defend up in positions um, for a few years, even though he's a little undersized. With those uh, vintage Harden Rocket teams, he was playing the small forward a lot of the time because they had Chris Paul and or, uh, or not and, but or Russell Westbrook during that time. And he he really held his own. They were a good defensive team for those seasons. Um, on top of that, he probably was their third best playmaker. Um, he was their sixth man most of the time for the those runs, but... Um, he would close games with those two, but then when one of them was off the floor, um, he was one of the primary creators uh, for this team, and he did a really good job. I mean, they were a legit contender for uh, many years. Then uh, Mason Plumey is having a career year. I mean, career high in field goal percentage, career high in points, career high in rebounds, career high in assists, um, and I think he's going to complement Zubats very well. They're pretty similar players, but um, I think this will let them both stay a little bit more fresh. Um, by splitting minutes. I know they're kind of playing Zubats a little more use, more than he's used to. Um, and they really needed some more size. I mean, they didn't have a single other uh, big in their rotation, and they really didn't have another one to even potentially play. So just a good insurance policy for them there. I think those guys are pretty interchangeable at this point. Um, and then Bones Highland, it's good value pickup for them. Um, I'm sure they're hoping he can be some sort of poor man's Lewell or Jamal Crawford like they've had in the past. Um, he's obviously not to the caliber of those players quite yet, but um, he's still only 22. So even if he has no impact this season, it's a good, it's just a good value pickup, young player, years of control, cheap contract. And I think he could be a nice spark plug off the bench at times, um, though I, I'm not sure I see um, him holding up defensively in the playoffs, but obviously we'll see. Um, so moving to his former team, the Nuggets, they added Thomas Bryant and Reggie Jackson and uh, sent out Bones Highland and Devon Reed. I don't really feel any different about them, to be honest with you. Um, I think Bryant's a fine pickup. Uh, they didn't have a ton of playable bigs after Jokic. Um, but I don't think it's going to matter too much because he's going to be out there most of the time anyway. Um, I think Bryant could be a bit of a defensive liability, but um, at least he gives them another body there. In terms of Jackson and Bones, um, I felt like it was just low-value trade for Bones. Like I don't really know what, how they couldn't get more for him. Um, but regardless, just looking for the rest of the season, I think it's a fine trade-off. I mean, Jackson is... Proven he can play in the playoffs a little bit at times, and um, we don't know if Bones can. So I feel like this trade was more looking through the lens of who gives us the best chance in the playoffs. And um, if Bones is so awful on defense and they really don't have a viable backup ball handler, Ish Smith is not the answer. <laughs> um, and so with that, when Jamal Murray's not out there, they really could struggle at times potentially to um, just have a reliable ball handler. So um, in terms of the Grizzlies, um, I like Luke Kennard. I think he's a good pickup. Um, just I've always liked him. He's a good, great shooter. Um, it's interesting to me that he's bounced around a lot. It feels like he hasn't been able to find the right home. I think Memphis could be a really good opportunity um, for him for to be that because um, my biggest concern with Memphis, I know everyone always praises their depth, but. I think they rely way too much on unproven guys between Conchar, David Roddy, um, even Zaire Williams has been very inconsistent. Um, 
I like Tyce Jones off the bench. Bench Brandon Clark is a solid player, but other than those two, I don't really trust a lot of guys off the bench, and I really think this gives them a great opportunity to have closeout lineups without Dylan Brooks in, with Luke Kennard in instead. Um, and man, that's just going to stretch the floor so much better for them. They they've struggled outside of Desmond Bain just in terms of um, corner threes and. Um, generating good looks and knocking down good looks. <laughs> so um, I think he's going to majorly help them. He's an upgrade over Danny Green just because we have no idea what Green is. He's old at this point, and he might not do um, anything at this. Uh, he might just be washed. Who knows? Um, but, um, yeah, I think Kennard's a good pickup. I think he's a good player. He's a better playmaker than people think. He's not just a spot-up shooter, not a great defender, but we've seen him play in the playoffs, and he's uh, been plenty good enough to, to hang around in a playoff series. Um, then there's a few other trades here. I'm going to start with the Blazers made a lot of moves, so I'm just going to uh, go through their moves, um, talk about the other teams, and then wrap up by discussing um, – where they fell in terms of who they added and who they sent out. But there was the four-team trade that was in jeopardy of not happening due to Gary Payton's medicals. But this had the Warriors receiving Gary Payton second, Hawks getting Sadiq Bey, Pistons getting James Wiseman, and the Blazers getting Kevin Knox and five second-round picks. So for the Warriors, I didn't really love this, to be honest, to be honest with you. I know Gary Payton was very good and... Um, just a key player in their championship run last year, but I kind of felt like if they're going to move Wiseman, I wanted it to be for a bigger deal for them to get just a more impactful player. Um, I do applaud them for finally moving on. Um, I know a lot of teams just hold on until it's too late with some of these young guys, and then they just end up being busts, and they don't even recoup um, like any value from them. But I just hope that they would maybe get a little bit more um, and I'm just not a big Peyton fan. I mean, I know he's going to defense, but it's not like he's all defensive. He's um, never uh, been acknowledged for that. And uh, he's not really a great shooter, to be honest. I know he's shot well this year and has shot well sometimes in the past, but it's really low volume. Other teams are going to dare him to shoot, and they have dared him to shoot, and it has worked in the past. Um, he's also not healthy. They said he's going to be out at least another month, which is obviously a, a major concern um, if they're trying to win with him now. Um, and he's already 30 years old, so it's not like he's some young prospect, even though he hasn't like been on uh, in NBA rotations for that long. I would have much preferred them get someone like Alex Caruso just because he's younger. Um, I like his contract a little better because I just think he's a little better. Um, he's a much better shooter, better ball handler, and yeah. I just I think he's probably a better defender too. So I, I just am a bigger Caruso fan. If they were going to do a trade like this, I would have preferred they get him. Uh, for the Pistons, I totally get them taking on a reclamation project in Wiseman, um, given that they are rebuilding. But it did feel a little weird just because Jalen Duran has played really well for them. So just kind of sending mixed signals to him, I'm sure. And who are they going to play? Not to mention Marvin Bagley. I guess they can play him with one of the other two guys. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what kind of message you want, you're sending those guys. But I guess they're in just acquire talent mode and just getting assets so i get it i'm not gonna say it was a bad deal for them by any means uh for the hawks i like this sadiq bay i've always liked him um he's not efficient at all but um they didn't really give up much for him i think he's a good flyer he's still young he's got good size um he's shown some shooting prowess he's just a good flyer to take in my opinion i mean um i don't think he's gonna start for them i think he was starting tonight but that was only because john collins was out so um but I like him. I think if you can get him a little bit more engaged on the defensive end, a little better shot selection, I think he could be a contributor to a good team. Um, then the next trade that the Blazers were a part of, uh, they traded Josh Hart to the Knicks, and the Blazers got uh, Cam Reddish, uh, Ryan Archidiakono, and Svi Mikhailuk, um, as well as a lottery-protected first-round pick. So. For the Knicks, um, I like it for them. Hart hasn't shot the ball well this year, but he is a good player, um, just your classic role player. Um, he's shot better in the past. I think he's going to fit in really well with uh, Tibbs' system. Just hard-nosed guy, um, great rebounder for his size, plays hard on defense, uh, has shown the ability to shoot in the past, but good locker room guy as well. Um, also, the first-round pick is protected, so it's not a huge deal. If they miss the playoffs, then it doesn't convey. If they make the playoffs, then it's going to be a late-teens pick anyway. So 
not like the Knicks have been the best at uh, drafting anyway. So, <laughs> um, and I think if they miss the playoffs, it only turns into second round picks. So, um, the next trade the Blazers were in, uh, yeah, they were all over the place. Uh, the Sixers received Jalen McDaniels from the Hornets as well as two second round picks. The Blazers got Matisse Thybul, and then the Hornets received uh, Svi Mikhailuk after uh, the Blazers got him from the Knicks as well as two second round picks the Hornets received. Um, so I like this for the Sixers. Um, Thibel just wasn't in the rotation. It seemed like Doc Rivers was just out on him. Um, and it's just tough to get out of the doghouse like that. Sometimes it's just you need a change of scenery. Um, I, this gives them more size, which I like. Uh, McDaniels is a better shooter than Thibel, which isn't hard because Thibel is just challenged at that. <laughs> um, he's still only 25 as well, so still young. I think he'll just be a nice bench piece for them. I mean, there's a chance he doesn't play much, but... Um, you could even play him in small ball lineups over a guy like Montrez Harrell, who um, you very much could see getting played out of a playoff rotation. So, so overall, uh, the Blazers, I know it's a lot of Blazers talk, but they just did a lot of deals. But um, they acquired Cam Reddish, Matisse Thibel, Kevin Knox, Ryan Archidiakono, and a lottery-protected first-round pick from the Knicks. And they sent out Josh Hart, Gary Payton second, and two second-round picks. Um yeah, so I don't know how I feel about this <laughs> with them. I just don't really know what they're trying to do. They say they don't want to rebuild, um, but here they are trading two solid veteran players for three young, basically reclamation projects for one reason or another. I mean, Cam Reddish hasn't been able to crack a rotation anywhere. Thibault's just been in the doghouse in Philly, and then Kevin Knox has just been a bust, for lack of a better word. I mean, he just has. Um and they got a pick, but it's it's not going to be in the lottery. It might even turn into second-round picks if the Knicks were to miss the playoffs. And then um, I'm all for them rebuilding, but you got to just commit to it then. I mean, you still got Jeremy Grant, who's going to be a free agent this summer, which means they're either going to lose him for nothing or they're going to have to overpay him. Both of those are just bad scenarios. The second you get him on a deal over $30 million, he just loses almost all of his trade value, in my opinion. Um, and he's not going to be good enough to help this team win just based on what they have. So uh, I just would have liked to see them blowed up a little bit more. Um, not saying they need to trade Dame, but just I think they should have traded Grant at the very least. So moving to the Yaka Pirtle trade, um, the Raptors received Yaka Pirtle for his second stint with the team in the Spurs, got Ken Birch, a top six protected 2024 first-round pick and two second-round picks. So I like this for the Spurs. I mean, I think Pirtle's an expiring contract, so getting a top six protected first-round pick is a – and two seconds. I mean, that that's quite a haul for him. He's been at best like a twelve and nine guy with uh, good rim protection, but um, a below average starting center at this point in his career. Um, at, at the worst, average. So, um, getting first round pick for him is just a, a home run, in my opinion, for the Spurs. That he probably wasn't part of their future anyway. Um, for the Raptors. Similar to the Blazers, I don't really know what their plan is. They talked about trading basically every single player on their roster, and then here they are adding uh, decent players. So um, I think if they were the six or seven seed currently, I, w- I would actually like this deal because um, I, I like Pirtle. I think he's a good player. Um, but being that they're the 10 seed right now, it just feels a little weird for them to be buying, um, especially with Pirtle about to be a free agent. and They're basically going to have to probably overpay him. Uh, it feels like guys in that range of player get every time they sign, it's going to seem like an overpay, even though it might not be in a few years. But um, just weird to have all your guys in rumors like that um, and then not trade a single one. I'm sure they are all feeling a little weird right now. But on the other hand, I do think they have a lot of talent. Um, I don't think they're too far off from being like a top five or six seed in the East. I mean, I think they were the five seed last year. Um, I think they're talented enough to get there. But the problem is, like, if Van Vliet leaves – and Pirtle leaves, and this is just going to look bad. Um, they're going to just have no big man, no guards, just all wings, um, and they're going to have a lot of holes on the roster. Um, I, and it was reported that I think just with Durant, Kyrie, others being moved to the West, that they thought the East was uh, more open. Um, it's maybe more open in the 4-7 to seven seed range, but, I mean, this team doesn't stand a chance against – Milwaukee, Boston, or Philly, or even Cleveland, in my opinion, right now. So, um, again, I, I don't hate the roster. I like they've got 
seven guys I really do like, but it just hasn't been working. So I think they just need to switch something up. And, of course, they still can trade Trent or um, Siakam in the offseason, but I just think that they had to deal Van Vliet if they didn't weren't going to re-sign him. But maybe they will, so who knows? I'm not going to. Uh, past judgment quite yet, but this could look like a questionable move, um, not just to um, get Pirtle, but to not deal um, some of their other guys. I know Ananobi was rumored uh, to be moved. A lot of people thought he would be. He's got one year on his deal after this, so maybe they could still trade him next year, um, but it doesn't seem like they really have a ton of interest in um, re-upping him after his current deal, so... Then there are a few minor trades um, that I'm going to talk briefly. Uh, this Mike Buscala trade, I mean, I heard so many people being like, this is the steal of the, the deadline. Mike Buscala is going to win the playoff game, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you guys got to <laughs> pump the brakes a little. Celtics got Muscala for Justin Jackson, two second-round picks. Small return, obviously. You do it if you're the Celtics. It makes sense. Not saying it's a bad trade for them, but, I mean, people are freaking out about a guy. This guy couldn't even get 15 minutes per game on the Thunder. Um He's a good floor spacer, but, I mean, if he was really that good, I think they'd probably be showcasing him more to try to get more. So it's good insurance policy behind Horford and um, Robert Williams. I, 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 I don't dislike Muscala. I just think that I was seeing a little uh, extra love uh, to the point where I, I, I'm not sure I get it. But <laughs> um, Then Pelicans and Spurs swapped Josh Richardson and Devontae Graham, um, and the Spurs also got four seconds in that pick. Devontae Graham's just been awful. Um, really inefficient his whole career. He had a good second year um, and just has not lived up to it uh, since then. Josh Richardson's fine. Don't think this really does much for the Pelicans. They've got a lot of wings as is. I don't even know if he's going to get that match playing time, but we'll see. And then the Suns and Thunder swapped Darius Baisley and Darius Saric. Um, The Thunder also got a second-round pick. Saric was an expiring contract, so... Again, this is more of a salary dump, I think, because Baisley's making less. Um, so I think this puts them under um, – it saves them a lot of money in the tax. But I do like Baisley. He's he's very young. The Suns really don't have a lot of young players on the team other than some of their two-way guys. Um, and Baisley's shown that he can um, be versatile on the defensive end. He's super athletic. He can make outside shots, although he doesn't do it um, at an efficient rate at this point. But um, I could see him making an impact on the road. So I, I like the trade for the Suns and – for the Thunder, um, I mean, he just probably wasn't part of their future. I, I still like Sharch. He's been playing really well for the Suns uh, as of late. So um, maybe they do like him and want to re-sign him. Um, but then also just getting a first-round pick was probably a, a plus for them. I also think this is a pick that's later down the road. So they're probably banking on the Suns not being as good once Durant and Chris Paul are um, aged out. So. Lastly, just want to talk about some of the buyout guys. So Danny Green signed with the Cavaliers. I think that's a good pickup. It's back where he started, so um, could be a cool story for him. I have no idea how much he's got left in the tank. I think he only played three games for Memphis, so too early to judge anything. Even if he had played great or played poorly, it doesn't really matter. Um, but if he can be even close to what he was before. I think it's a great pickup for them. I think he's exactly what they need. A guy that can stand in the corner, knock down threes at a high percentage and play d- defense on the other end. Um, additionally, we saw the Suns, as I mentioned, picked up Terrence Ross. I think it's a good pickup for them. They've lacked some scoring punch off the bench this year. Um, or Not that they've had trouble scoring, but just they haven't had a ton of guys that are go get you uh, a bucket anytime. And Ross is a guy that can do that. Not necessarily superficially, but again, he's a bench player. And I can see him closing some lineups um, with the, the, the four uh, starter, the four main starters they have in place of Torrey Craig if he's shooting the ball well. Um, and if he can get a little bit more engaged on defense and he's been in Orlando, that would be a huge plus for them as well. Um, the Mavericks also signed Justin Holiday. Um, good pickup for them. He's not been great over the last few years, but... In terms of uh, the 3-and-D prototype, he's probably the closest thing to any of the um, buy or buyout market guys. Um, he's been a pretty good defender at times in his career. He's had some up-and-down shooting years, but he has shot the ball well at points as well. And they just need defense, so um, it's good pickup for them overall. Um, and then I already mentioned the Reggie Jackson stuff, so I'm not going to touch on that too much. Um, in terms of some of the other guys out there, I think there's Will Barton, um, Pat Bev, Russ, Westbrook. Um, they said he might stay, so we'll see. 
Uh, but the other two guys, uh, I anticipate them signing with a contender. Um, don't know who they've really been linked to. I could see Pat Bev going back to Minnesota. I feel like people have mentioned that as well as uh, I think he could be a good fit with someone like Milwaukee, um, bring them some more toughness and guard depth. Um, Will Barton, um, I don't know where he's going to go. <laughs> I haven't heard anything really, so um, I'm not really going to comment on it yet. But again, could be a good piece. He's not had a good year. He's not a really great shooter, but at least he can um, provide some shot creation off the bench for a, a team moving forward. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Sean Jones NBA show. I am very excited to see how all the players that were traded uh, play on their new teams. Uh, We are headed for the stretch run here. We've got the all-star break this coming weekend, but um, about 20 to 25 games, not a ton of time left uh, for these teams. And the West is still very bunched up. The top of the East uh, has teams separating a little bit. Um, so very excited to see how everything plays out and how these guys acclimate to the new teams. Um, but with that being said, uh, thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed it, and I will talk to you next time.